0: what is up five fans and welcome to episode three of sports not scrap report i am jason Burgles, of course your co-host with the absolute damn mostest and of course i am joined by my guy the very militant the very loyal the very busy excuse making anthony walker send aw how are you doing today especially after those prelims from last saturday
1: well, I'm doing fantastic after those prelims on Saturday because I I didn't watch them. I was actually having some trouble uh, with the Wi-Fi in uh, the Air <laughs> Airbnb that I'm staying at because I am uh, recording today from an undisclosed location. So, <laughs> um, so I didn't see the, the prelims except for except for the featured prelim, which we've discussed off camera, and I'm done with talking about it with you, Jason. <laughs> I would ask how you're doing, but I don't care.
0: <laughs> for those of you that may have have missed it last week, and of course, if you're watching it, if you like it, please like, share, subscribe, comment, everything. But but Anthony's a big—he seemed to be a big, very big Kevin Lee fan, and was very excuse making. All these ideas, Kevin Lee's really good. He he, this happened to him. This happened. This happened. Him, and then we saw what happened on Saturday, and reality said it once again for you.
1: Hey man, the the guy blew his knee a couple years ago. Probably he came out with double knee sleeves. <laughs> His body is betraying him at this point. It happens to every fighter at, at some point in their career. We hit that point with Kevin Lee. He's still the man. So let, let's let's not do this, Jason. Let's not
0: do it. Do, don't doesn't it? I mean, sorry, I'm sorry for Kevin Lee, but doesn't it almost kind of make you feel good in a way that at our age, a 29 year old's body is has 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 lost itself and and left him behind? And it makes me feel kind of better my, about myself a little bit.
1: But the thing is, a depleted version of Kevin Lee is still physically superior to us. So what? I, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm trying to look like that at a weigh-in, you know. Yeah,
0: no. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's. We've got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, of course, we're going to talk some UFC 290, 290 coverage, which is we have to. It's a big pay per view, a lot of good fights. But first, there was a, a couple of interesting news nuggets in terms of what I think it's fair to call them legends uh, leaving the sport and and one of them we will be doing it at ufc 290 we'll talk about him in a minute but the first is something we covered on sports not was uh, alistair over he officially retired from the sport kind of in a weird unorthodox way just out out of left heel kind of thing and um part of it was he went through a major physical change he changed his diet the guy we all know horse meat fan all that kind of stuff he's a vegetarian now probably looks like he lost maybe Maybe 100 pounds, maybe, or so. And big difference. If you go to the article on Sportsnet, you can see a picture of him, how different he looks now. But um, how will we, we remember Alistair, the demolition man over him? He Is he a top-five heavyweight? Is he a top-ten heavyweight? He finishes with a 47-19 record. I'll run down some of his biggest wins. He beat Brock Lesnar, beat Vitor Belfort twice. For those of you who didn't know, he was a light headweight for a lot of the part of his early part of his career. Sergey Caritano, Mark Hunt twice. Verdum twice, one of the great headweights of all time. He got wins over Mir and Dos Santos, former champions. Uh, he lost to, to Chuck Dell got a couple losses to Lil Nog, Shogun twice. Bigfoot, uh, he's got some tough losses like the Travis Brown, that was a tough one. Ben Rothwell. Lost Miochish and Gano. No, 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 uh, nothing wrong with that. And Gano was the infamous, like, Pez Dispenser head moment that will never be forgotten. W- where do you place him? W- what are your lasting thoughts on over out- him? Is he top five? Is he top 10 all time heavyweight?
1: He's at least top 10. I-, I think his, his resume at heavyweight is one of the-, the ones that you can't really poke too many holes at. Like, he took on pretty much everyone that was presented in front of him that he was allowed to. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate yeah. that he didn't get the, the, um, The big title fight that he was supposed to have, I want to say it was UFC 146, I think, that was built around all heavyweights on the main card. And he originally was supposed to fight, uh, I believe, Junior Dos Santos for the title was Miocic and, not
0: a title fight? I thought that was
1: a title uh, fight. Miocic, Miocic was a title fight, but that was yeah. but that at that point that would have been the perfect time for him to capitalize on what he had built thus far because his prior win yeah. was against Brock Lesnar and he was right. coming off of that the uh Strike Force and Dream heavyweight championships and K1 yeah. and whatnot. So that would have been the perfect time, it's unfortunate that he couldn't capitalize on that for obvious um, testosterone related reasons. Um he's Alistair Overeem's got a weird legacy because he was definitely one of one of the this more significant action fighters at at heavyweight you didn't find too many fights of him where it wasn't fun to watch like he he was lamping somebody or getting lamped himself typically um he he was in a lot of firefights He, he put together some good moments then there's the the muddled history of his his physique and how that evolved due to yep. uh, due to artificial substances. And it, it's, a, it's a lot of things to unpack with Alistair Overeem. But he was at the very least a fan friendly fighter and also a guy who, much like Andre Orlovsky, was able to reinvent himself after a string of brutal knockouts where we kind of thought this was going to be the end for him. And he was able to sort of revive his career and continue to be relevant up until when he retired.
0: Yeah, for me the it, a lot of you nailed it for me. A great striker, he, he was a K one level striker. Um, but yeah, his 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 physique and the questions about it and era really before Usada and 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 stuff like that. It's it's going to be one of the major narratives of his career. He tested positive for testosterone in his in his last fight. He got a win over Badahari, big win in the trilogy fight. Tested positive performance enhancers. Um, the horse meat thing. Super talented guy. I think the the lasting memories. I agree. I think he's top ten probably, for sure, but um, striking skills, questions about his body, and his chin. That was the, the biggest thing. He was a guy who was a light heavyweight early, was probably cutting too much to make that division. Made it to heavyweight, was a good fighter, but it's like he always still had like a light heavyweight chin. And, and heavyweight is such a... It doesn't get him enough credit for how... It, it can just change for any fighter, even as good as they are, just because everybody hits hard. And that was always like his biggest Achilles heel. If he had us, If he had like a Miochic chin, which you have... I think he would have been a legend. He probably would have been a top three all the time, but he just that was his one big weakness, and that's a tough thing to have for a striker. Speaking of a striker, another one, another great striker is going to retire after his fight at UFC 290. And that's Robbie Lawler. Lola. Robbie Lawler, another one. I, and, and 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 it's the same questions for Ofrim. You know, he his legacy is fascinating because of. His history as being a middleweight, um, kind of making the decision to when he finally had this one last chance in the UFC, go down the welterweight, flourishes. That's the, he's one of those classic great stories of an MMA fighter has this weird career, kind of kind of falls into this journeyman kind of spot because maybe he's in the wrong camp, right? wrong, wrong wrong weight, finds his right space, becomes a middleweight, shoots right back at the title dos años did that uh charles Oliveira did that yeah, that's what makes mma so great compared to boxing but looking back he fights nico price on saturday uh is he a top 10 welterweight of all time he ended 29 uh, record with 29 16 going to his last fight biggest wins nick diaz the melvin manhoff fight was a a, a great fight just because of the, the kicks and he was dealing with the kicks and he comes with this bomb and knocks him out big josh kosher this is what i'm loving about looking up this stuff uh, fans like us and and people that cover the sport for so long we get to say names like josh kashak and rory mcdonald and, and these young bucks don't even know how great these fighters were johnny hendrix he beat rory twice carlos conde he got a win over to you know but he lost to nick lost to shields lost to jacques lost to larkin also lost to hendrix of course he lost to tyron wood that's how he lost the title I Lost to rda it was surprising dominated by colby had Askrit on the rocks. I mean, on the ropes, and, and and lost him too. Where where do you put him? Is he is he top ten all the time, Robbie Lawler?
1: I'd give him top ten all the time. Um, I, I think he's probably at the closer to top five without being top five, maybe six, seven. Really? If, if yeah. I if if I really sat there and thought about it, but but I think it's it's because of a lot of a lot of factors that I think a lot of the other welterweights don't have necessarily. Like Jake Shields, I think, is another person that belongs in that the top ten of all time welterweights, but he doesn't have like the great story around him. Like he doesn't have the Cinderella yeah. story. He doesn't have like this massive career comeback, which by the way was sparked because he found that he he had lived his life with undiagnosed asthma. And mm-hmm. that's why he couldn't he couldn't train the proper way to make the welterweight limit. So he had to literally move his base from uh, I think he was training at Arizona at the time. He had to move to a a more human climate. He he settles upon uh, South Florida at at American top team. And suddenly he's able to to regain this cardio. He's able to just go out there and be a destroyer and eventually win the title and and sort of fulfill this promise that he had years and years before uh, when his his first uh stint in the UFC when he was famously called uh, by Dana White as his birthday present for, for signing him to the promotion. <laughs> um, Robbie Lawler is, is certainly one of those, those fighters that I think will always live on in fans memories. And fortunately for him, a lot of those memories come at that Cinderella moment where he was the welterweight champion. And he had that all time yep. classic against Carlos Condon, which was right, uh, right after that all time classic against Roy McDonald. And he had all time classic yep. fights with Johnny Hendricks. Like, this was, this was a guy who every time he stepped in the cage, he entertained. Um, and it's, it's good that he's getting out now. And I do like the fact that he's getting out on a fight. That's really custom built to fall into the same mythology. That is ruthless. Robbie Lawler that just knock them, sock them robots, just drag out brawl. And we probably will get that with Nico price may not turn out to be the happiest of endings. um, you know that's a distinct possibility, but he's going out on the shield, and I don't think someone like Robbie Lawler would have in any other way.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I also look up our, our UFC predictions on uh I, I I I think Nico's going to win. Just it just, that's just it, it's the classic fighter on their last legs kind of moment. He lost to Brian Barbarina. It's so a similar kind of fight. Nico's maybe got even more power than Barbarina, so I think yeah. I, it's funny. It's a classic. <clears throat> Yeah, he's gonna lose because he's older. If this was five years of Robbie Lawler, he'd just blast through him. But that's that's what it is—getting older as a fighter. But yeah, even like the Scott Smith fights, the Manhall fights I mentioned, like he's in just even smaller fights. for the Nick, Nick Diaz first fight—you know, just wild, wild career. Definitely a legend. There's no doubt about it. No questions about him. Just amazing career. Moving on from that, from a very to a very weird career. Also, again like, subscribe. Subscribe If you like what we're talking about, please share, uh, comment, let us know what you think about this and, and, and these different things. Where does Robbie Lawler's place in, in the top 10 all-time? Where's well, Alistair Overy? But moving on to a top fighter now, Juliana Pena. <laughs> She's really going to some weird places lately. She's very butthurt about Amanda Nunes living her own life and going into retirement, calling her... A coward saying she ran away from her by, by retiring, even though she was scheduled to face Juliana for a third time, and it was Juliana's injury that knocked her out of the fight. God forbid Nunez didn't want to wait for her and just wanted to fight this fight because she maybe had the idea she was going to retire, probably was had this idea for like three, four years already. But like, is, is Juliana Pena just straight-up delusional? Has she just taken too many shots to the head to some of these fantastic war she has been in is this like a misguided self-promotion trying to be a chael son and maybe without the true charisma and the gift for gab shouldn't she just be focused like man i'm gonna get a towel shot i know it next let me i'm gonna run through i'm not facing a man in the go i'm gonna be champion again shouldn't they like talk to me Anthony.
1: what's wrong with this one um nothing is wrong with her that hasn't been wrong with her from jump <laughs> like, like juliana pena has has been you know, for lack of a better word, a bozo for a long time. (laughs) Like she's said a lot of stupid things and done a lot of stupid things throughout the entirety of her career. Like every time there's a microphone in her hand, God help us all. And this is this is what we have now. Like she, you know, can't take the the fact that she was a champion away from her. All credit to, to her for pulling off one of the biggest upsets in mixed martial arts history. But I mean, still a bozo. Like, you, you can't really change that. That's, like, kind of in her DNA at this point. Like, the way she acted after Nunez retired in the cage, like, yeah, whatever whatever rivalry you have, whatever yes. feelings you have about this, set it aside because that moment yes. is bigger than you. Yep. There is absolutely no way in hell that the woman who knocked out Chris Cyborg, knocked out Ronda Rousey, beat the crap out of Misha Tate, um, pretty much knocked out every great, female fighter that is within her rate, her weight range, yeah,
0: which um, many it, people can't say, even men uh, can't say that. Her resume
1: is why it's impeccable. There are very, very, very few people that can, they can say that they've cleaned out generations of yeah. their divisions, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like Amanda Nunes has. Um, so this is a moment that's far bigger than her, far bigger than her, where her family in the cage and everything, and you're booing and, and she's scared of you. when. You were supposed to fight her when the last time you two met, she beat the ever-loving crap out of you for 25 minutes, just absolutely thrashed you to the point where a trilogy fight just seemed totally unnecessary. This is absolutely moronic, to to say the least. Uh, Juliana Pena really needs a reality check. And I know there's a certain level of delusion that fighters have to have at her level. They have to be, they've got to be crazy. You've got to be delusional. You've got to be uh selfish and self-centered and all these all these things that we associate as negative traits are necessary to succeed in combat yeah. sports yeah. but man there's a point where you need to check yourself into a mental hospital yeah because and, this is just lunacy
0: and it's just it's just the, the nature of this like post son sun world and what he was cre- able to create from him for himself by not being like the elite fighter and you have these fighters that, and I get it, it works for people, but you, you're going to have the goods and you're going to have the bads. <laughs> you yeah. She's very and- much the bad side of that deal.
1: Definitely. I mean, Chelsea Sutton deserves a ton of credit for what he was able to accomplish in his career. Yeah. Just as a competitor, he certainly was one of the more, one of the, the elite middleweights of all time. We'll give him that. Um, but his skills on the mic just opened the floodgates yeah. for a lot of people that just don't have that same level of charm. They just simply don't have it, um, you, you know. I don't know if you've ever met Chel Sonnen. I've I've met Chel Sonnen and sat and talked with him for a while. He's so he nice. Is, he is he's so he is nice, a charming, <laughs> charming person. And even when he's just blatantly lying or when he's just making up <laughs> absolute foolishness, and he and he knows it's foolishness, and he and he but yeah. he's having fun with it. It's fun. Yeah. It's it's fun, and and we can we can you know go against a lot of the 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 more. Um, non-PC things that he said over the years. But even then it still was said in a in a spirit of jest. It, it still had a comedic undertone to it that yeah. you just were entertained by this man's presence. Juliana Pena has absolutely zero of that charisma. She has absolutely none of it. Like not a, a shred of it. <laughs> so to see her fumbling along with this absolute garbage is really really sad. It's, it's sad to watch. Yeah. Like just don't do that. Just just focus on who you're going to fight yeah. because she has a very unlike, unlike before Amanda Nunez laid those gloves in the middle of the cage. She has a fantastic chance of becoming a two-time uh, bandweight champion. So focus on that. Nunez is retired and rightfully so.
0: And it's just like, for example, Tatiana uh, Tatiana Suarez, Openly disappointed about Rose changed the division because she wants to to want to fight Rose Nam-Yu, this legendary fighter. I, like I get that you fought her, you beat her. Like you have you were one of the few people that beat her. So like the butthurtness hurtness that you didn't get the third shot is it's strange stuff. But I mean, moving on for that, I'm gonna close with some UFC two hundred and ninety talk. Not gonna go into depth with the whole card. It's a very good card, but there's three fights that are really the premier cream of the crop on this card. Two of the title fights. Want to go over them, run them down real quick. We'll start with the the lower card on the main on the, the main group of, of fights uh middleweight probably a title eliminator limited though i really feel it's just a, a title eliminator for one guy and that is robert whittaker versus Drew, just just duplexes Robert Whittaker is a huge favorite. The line may have changed, but he's a minus four hundred going into this fight, which is big. I really don't feel unless Robert Whittaker gets like a, a first round knockout, which he definitely do. I think this can do. This is a fantastic matchup for him. It's it, I think it just it, it, it opens a door for him to get a, a first round knockout. But if he doesn't, I just don't think he's gonna get the shot. I just don't think Adesanya with the leverage he has, is going to say, yeah, let me fight this guy I beat twice again, especially since the last fight was a little closer. Why even give him the chance? So I don't think he's going to do that. If DDP wins, he's probably going to get a shot. Um, Just overall thoughts, uh, who do you think is going to win this fight, and and, and how do you see it playing out?
1: Um, I got Robert Whitaker winning this, and it's very, very difficult for for, for me to pick anyone aside from Robert Whitaker to win a middleweight fight unless that person standing across from him is Israel Adesanya. Yep. Whitaker is just way too good in way too many areas. I mean, elite level wrestling, elite level counter wrestling, elite level striking offense, elite level striking defenses, sort of like no real hole in this game that you can exploit. Yep. And DDP is not a guy who specializes in anything in particular. Like he isn't he isn't some submission whiz. He isn't like this, this knockout machine. He he's he's very, very good, but in a very general sense. And it's. I don't see one particular area where he's just better than Robert Whitaker. Like he's bigger, but Whitaker is used to being the undersized middleweight and he's done very, very well regardless. And in fact, he's used that to his advantage considering the speed that he has over the rest of the division. So I I think Whitaker wins this one pretty handily. The question though, is like not even necessarily who is getting the title shot uh, with a win over this. It's like, is anyone going to be healthy when this fight is over? Because I think this is going to be this is going to be a battle. Like these guys going to bang each other up. I've I've written about it uh, on Ringside Intel um, a couple times. Like I I don't see the winner of this one making it you know uh, another camp successfully in two months and being healthy enough to fight Adesanya. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I think this is going to lead to a, a Adesanya versus Jamal Hill fight or something. Yeah,
0: I, I think it's it's I, same thing. I feel it's going to be a quick win for, for Whitaker first and second round. But I, I will throw out there, not to take away from DDP's skill set, but it, it just isn't a good matchup. But just Whitaker's body, how he's had issues staying healthy. He, he's 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 not your normal thirty-two year old just because of the fights he's been in, how his body has been over the the fight game has been tough on him. So that, I wouldn't be surprised if there, you know, if we just get one of those weird moments where
1: yeah. the a decline begins here. Yeah. Yeah, like I the door it sort it of closes on Whitaker being an elite fighter, and yeah, because he's been ha- around be when it happens. Yeah, because
0: yeah, DDP is roll and throw bombs. He could he could take punches. He 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 can finish people in different ways. Yeah, he's not. Sp- 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 you know, fantastic and, and spectacular in one area, but he has a finishing ability. I can see something he catches him with some stuff. Maybe Whitaker doesn't respect him enough. I don't know. But yeah, just the way the sport has always been, there's just those weird moments where you have to start doubting the greats because they just normally start to decline because of age or whatever. So this could be one of those weird things. That said, let's move on to the next, the next the main event, a co main event of the, of the night. Uh, Brandon Moreno versus Alexandre Pantoja. Great fight. Uh, Moreno is, is, is the favorite with understandable reason this is a fantastic and interesting storyline just because moreno this is one of the few guys that's not one of the few but this is the few only guy that's beaten him twice and one of them obviously was an exhibition was, a t- was on top but still this is a guy who can you can say has owned him he has real estate in his head like yes moreno is a better fighter he's a favorite for a reason but this is it's there's always just guys that have other guys numbers Rampage had Chuck Liddell's number, as great as Chuck Liddell was. And great. nothing to take away from Rampage. Rampage is a great fight, But sometimes just styles just match up differently. The big question for me is they're, they're both better, too. Pantoja's a better fighter. I think Moreno's a bit better fighter, a bit of a better IQ fighter. And at the highest levels, skills are important. Athleticism is important. But you need to have the mind to adjust, the strategy, the planning. And I just feel that Pantoja, part of his success has been a little bit about being wild being tough being durable getting in there and getting dirty if he can draw Moreno into that fight then anything can happen I just don't think he will I think Moreno gets like a fourth round submission what are your thoughts on that one
1: man I've been going back and forth on this one a lot and as I'm talking right now I still don't have a pick like I'm trying to talk myself into a pick with this one because we've seen the evidence twice of what these two look like and we've seen Moreno come up short Twice, you know, once by a a submission and and once by decision. So it should be pretty clear cut. But since their their last meeting, like Moreno has been through the meat grinder as far as experience is concerned. And when you talk about mastering like the sort of chaos that Pantoja can put on you, Davidson Figueroa is is like the 2.0 version of Pantoja as far as like putting on that chaos and consequences behind everything that he does. Moreno came out of that. Um, you know, granted he, he took his lumps and, you know, has a, a a defeat on there too, but he came out successful. Like he has the belt now for a reason. I I think he built on that success. I, it's very rare that I will go against a guy who has defeated someone twice, Yeah, but this (laughs) is, this is one of those times where I feel like I have to, because Moreno has shown this substantial growth and, and sort of this ability to, to calm the storm against someone like Figueroa and not in that last fight, especially not get sucked into the fight that he wanted um, and and sort of set the tempo himself. And I think if he comes in with that same mentality that he's going to set the tempo that he wants to set, then Pantoja is going to have to come up with answers that he may not have. Um, And and I I think Moreno wins this one.
0: Now to the main event, Alexander Volkanovski comes back down the featherweight. He's going to fight Yair Rodriguez in a unification fight. Yair Rodriguez is the interim champion after beating Josh Emmett. Honestly, Volkanovski is a big favorite too, minus 380 and going into the middle of the week. Um, Understandably so. I just think this fight is a lot like the Whitaker fight in that nothing taken away from Yair Rodriguez. He's He's a fantastic fighter, an outstanding striker, but I think, again, this is a good matchup for Volkanovski because he's a fantastic striker himself double tough He just doesn't get i don't I don't think enough credit as as one of the most complete fighters in the sport like he can do everything and he can wrestle he did a lot of solid amount of wrestling early in his ufc career he doesn't do as much because he doesn't need it as much but if you want to know how good a wrestler Go look at the Makashev fight. He made yes, he lost that fight. Makashev proved he can strike. He's he's all around too. But he made Makachev have to stand up because his his takedown defense was so good, and he can take down guys too. And it Yair Rodriguez has shown a weakness in his grappling. Anthony, I, I think Volkanovski is going to get a finish in this fight myself. And but what do you think? Can you can do you feel there's this any case that Yair has done enough to prove that he can keep it on the feet? You know, or maybe he can he can he, and he can finish volkanovsky he could dominate or or is this kind of maybe the best chance for him to win? It's just another like Whitaker. Volkanovsky's been the top, maybe he underestimates him, he's talking about wanting a Makashev rematch, and maybe he overlooks Yair and calls himself a fight. Well,
1: I, I think it's very difficult to just rule out someone like Yar Rodriguez simply because his his striking arsenal is so dangerous. Yeah. The man can kick you from so many different angles that the average person can't see coming. And quite frankly, you're going to have a hard time training for someone like him. Um, And I think especially in the Josh Emmett fight, he showed a lot of interesting wrinkles to his game, which make him very dangerous for everyone in that division where he didn't do like he did against Frankie Edgar, um, where he just simply succumbed to to like this wrestling pressure. And he just had no answer for it. Um, Or he succumbed to the pressure of Max Holloway before he started sort of finding his rhythm in, in the later portions of that fight like he was able to still retain himself while having success against Josh Emmett. and that is particularly dangerous because this is not a guy who's who's transforming what he does to to fit the conventional mixed martial arts arsenal this is a guy who's saying I come with this particular skill set how do I use that how can I how can I still throw my kicks? how can I still commit to these particular strikes without worrying about X y and Z I think that works against everybody but Alexander Volkanovski in this division at this point, um, yeah. because he's just like Volkanovski is just that that good. Like if we're talking about someone who's lesser as far as their their level of greatness, um, then we, we have a stronger case for Yair coming out um, the victor yeah. here and, and swaying the betting lines. But I mean, we we've, we've seen Volkanovski. Out wrestle people, we've seen him out strike people. We've seen him do what he's not supposed to do against people. Y- Yair, I don't think it has anything to offer him um, aside from one of those wild kicks landing early yeah. on, and you know, yeah. and and putting them putting them you know a, a little bit on the on on the on the roller skates, and then he follows up with something. Yeah, this this is probably going to look like an ugly, ugly fight for Volkanovski.
0: All right. That is our picks. Uh, again, if you like the conversation, like, share, please subscribe to the channel, on.com and, and check out some of our work there. Check out Anthony's work on Ringside Intel, of course. And, and let us know who are your picks for some of these fights, and also who, what are your thoughts on Overeem and Lawler. That is it for this week's edition of Sports. Scrap Report. I am Jason Burgles. He is Anthony Walker. Bye-bye.